Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with Leo Flowers. If you're like me, quarantined, locked up, <laughs> not locked up, but that's what it feels like, right? Um, There's it, it, so many challenges and, and obstacles. I have received so many messages from people feeling like a burden, uh, feeling like they're isolated, to feeling hopeless. Uh, However, if you go to thrivewithleo.com, I can coach you from feeling like a burden to feeling like a blessing, from feeling isolated to feeling connected, from feeling hopeless to feeling hopeful. Go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching, and we will get through this together. With that said, Let's get into the episode. G. How you doing, man? I'm fantastic, man. How are you doing, brother? I'm great. I'm great. So is this going to be audio only? It's going to be audio only just because uh, with the visual, uh, the, the internet just cuts the sound in and out. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry if you got dressed up. You ain't put a tuxedo on, did you? <laughs> I got my game face on. That's all I got. Yeah, on yeah, brother. I know, man. You know, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so excited to 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 talk to you. I haven't talked to you in a long time, and uh, uh, you know, we always have very uh, empowering conversations. Um, yes. And so, I'd, I'd love to to see how you are, what you're, how you're coping with with what's happening right now, and what your message is, and um, uh, how you're getting through this. Yeah, bro. Well, first of all, I just want to say I'm I'm happy you're home safe, bro. I, I knew you were in uh, in Machu Picchu, hiking the Inca Trail in Peru, and uh, and then I saw a Facebook message that everybody was on lockdown in Peru, and no one they weren't allowing anybody to leave the country. And I had several friends who were there, who weren't even allowed to leave their little town, like they were like in some random little town, and so. I thought about you, bro, and I was sending you prayers, and then like all of a sudden you were on a flight home, and I was like, "How'd that happen?" And now you're back, bro. So I, I don't even know how that happened, but I'm I'm glad you're home safe, bro. You know what, man? It was the it was people. You know, there's it's why like I'm not I'm you know me and my girl we we aren't we won't watch the news at all during the day. Uh, well, we don't watch the news at all. One um, and. Um, and any news we get is, you know, is, is one of our friends or colleagues sending us something. But, uh, but because the, the news is so is is paints such a dire picture of of people in the world. But when you're out in the world, and and you are exploring, and you're you're going to these little villages and these other countries, the, the, the people have such expansive hearts that the reason why we made it out of there was because the tour group that we booked with. Mountain Lodges. Uh, the the guy, all he had to do was take us to the hotel, drop us off, and he's going to pick us up the next day for our hike to Machu Picchu. And mm-hmm. after he dropped us off, he went to dinner with some friends. So he's at dinner. He's off the clock. He's with friends. He's drinking. He's whatever he's doing. And he sees on the news that uh, they're locking things down in, in less than 24 hours. He calls us in the middle of the night, 11 o'clock, 11, during the midnight. He goes, I have to come back to get you. We got to get you out of there. Uh, they're locking stuff down. If he doesn't make that phone call, we are still in Machu Picchu. 
If, yeah. if he if he doesn't go above and beyond, if he you know he's not getting paid extra, there was no overtime for him. This was a man who was like in his heart, like the, the I can't in my heart just leave these people snugged up in their hotel room thinking everything is good when it's not. And if right. he doesn't if he doesn't do that, we're still there. We're still there. Wow. And and wow. and not only did he wake us up, he he had to get in the van with us for two hours to drive us out of where we were and then spent another three you know it was just above and beyond thank you juan is his name thank you gilbert thank you mountain lodges because um that it it saved us man people people with their heart man with their heart bro that is the personification of uh everything that i'm all about bro which is um that when you commit and when you do things that you are in alignment with your spirit and your soul that the universe conspires to support your commitments the universe conspires to you know support you and what you're up to if what you're up to is your true genuine purpose and you know that's a direct quote from uh, the alchemist paulo coelho when you commit, the universe conspires to support your commitment. And, and like, who, who the thunk? And there, there are people in Peru, in Peru right now trying to get home. And what, what distinguished you? What, what was it about you and your girl that, you know, this guy felt so compelled to take care of you? You know, was it just customer service <laughs> or was it this guy's uh, conscious or was it that y'all are like, you know, you're so clean with your intentions and who you are in the world that some, something, some universal force, whether you want to call it God, whether you want to call it spirit, whether you want to call it intentionality, whether you want to call it the universe, uh, something aligned so that you're home now. And there's a lot of people that that didn't happen for. And what makes you special? What makes you different? I don't think it makes you special, but it, it de- there's there's definitely my my experience of you, bro. Ever since you and I ever like, it's crazy. What you and I are in this comedy world, and there's a lot of animosity amongst comics. There's a lot of haterism. There's a lot of uh, you know uh, uh, people like uh, c- competition. Competition's fine, but I'm talking about just deeply rooted like angst towards each other. And you and I have never ever had that. I've never seen Leo Flowers online on stage or in person where my thought went, ah, oh, man, or, oh, God. It was always like, yo, Leo, which which tells me the kind of spirit you have, bro. And the fact that you're home now is a function of that clean spirit that you've always had. And I just know that you're up to good things. And the, this guy that woke you up in the middle of the night to come get you knew that too. And I don't know how he knows it, but game recognizes game. And when people are clean and clear about who they are in the world and what their mission is, the universe will always support us. And that's why I'm feeling amazing right now during this, uh, this, this, whatever, whatever it is that's happening. I don't even want to call it this epidemic or this scare or this, the lockdown. I feel amazing because I'm clear about who I am and what my mission is. And, uh, I'm just, I'm just excited for you that you're home now, bro. And then also excited to be talking to you on your your podcast you know you know i love the fact that you um have chosen not to really name it right like you know there's 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 you know all these different names for what's happening from pandemic to quarantine etc cetera, etc cetera. 
Uh, right. But we could also call it an opportunity. Yes. Right. We can also call it um, uh, a retreat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, this is a, like a silent yoga meditation retreat. You know, it's just a free retreat uh, that, that we didn't plan on. But, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're here. And because um, yep. it is, it is. It's, it's really an opportunity to uh, to 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 strengthen the bonds that you have with your loved ones, with your family, with your, cause I mean, how many, how many people work two, three jobs working all the time and, and wish they could spend more time with their family. Exactly. You know, wish they could spend more time with their wife, with their kids to see them grow up, to teach them things, to, to slow things down. And I understand yep. there's a financial, I understand there's a financial component to this. I, I, I completely get that. You, it's hard to keep the lights on and, food in the fridge uh, if you're not bringing in money. Um, but however, there's like, it goes back to, there's, there's a, we go further together. And as long as uh, everyone is together and it, it really gives you an opportunity to reaffirm your, your values and your mission and, and your purpose. And, um, and, and, yep. and so how are you, how are you Ernie G? Um, because I, you know, you were, you know, you're, 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 you're a comedian, you're on the road, you're, you, uh, you're an empowerment comedian. And so are you home? Are you with family? Are you with your girl? Like what's your, what's your situation right now? <laughs> well, the first thing I will say is that I am better than I've ever been. And what has me say that is that this is an absolute opportunity for people to rise and for people to shine. And, you know, like I don't watch the news. I never watch the news period, but especially now I am, I am not interested in poisoning the clarity that I have, bro. I'm, I'm cleaner and clearer than I've ever been in my life. And as someone who is kind of caught up in the hustle and bustle of everyday life, I still have distinguished myself by becoming an empowerment comedian. Like I'm not a comic that's in the clubs, you know, going on the road for hours. I mean, for days and days at a time in comedy clubs, I do go on the road uh, when I get booked to do my empowerment comedy in colleges and universities all, all over the country. But I've distinguished myself from the comics that I, that I started with by doing inspirational empowerment comedy and by bringing the light to people. And, um, I do got to admit that there was this experience for myself that I wasn't doing everything I could be doing. Like I, I was, you know, I was speaking at, I was getting corporate gigs. I just spoke at NASA Langley research center a few months ago, and I just did my first TEDx talk. And so things are really evolving for me at this beautiful rate. But now that we are all put into a position where it's time to retreat and stay home, I realize, bro, how blessed and lucky I am to have been someone that started putting, you know, I started putting money away about, I don't know, 15 years ago. Maybe, yeah, like, you know, when you first start comedy, bro, every 50 bucks you make, every 40 bucks you make, it goes straight into your gas tank. It goes straight into your fridge. It goes straight into your pay your bills. Um, but I read a, 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 a book a long time ago called The Richest Man in Babylon. And dude, I've all I've been all about self help and I, and all about empowering my mind to think clearly. And so I started putting ten percent away, bro. Every time I made a dollar, 
I put 10 cents of it away. And I did that because I wasn't, I didn't have a manager. And so if, when you have a manager or an agent, you give 10 or 15% of whatever you make to them. So since I didn't have one, I just started putting it, bro. And I did it Mexican style, dude. I put I put a bunch of cash in an envelope. I put five bucks here, 10 bucks there. And then all of a sudden I had an envelope with like 5,000 bucks. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm never going to touch that money. I'm not going to even put it in a bank. I'm not even going to like invest it. I'm just going to have my, my cash in this envelope, Mexican style. And, and it's funny, dude, because I literally still have those hundred dollar bills <coughs> in that envelope. So now that this is happening, I literally, bro, just got $10,000 worth of gigs canceled this past week. I got a $5,000 gig canceled two, uh, two days ago, a $3,500 one a couple days ago, a $1,500 one, and a $1,000 one. So 10 grand was gone like that. These are all colleges and high schools that I was going to speak at. And am I freaking out? No. Am I worried? Uh, maybe. I, I, you know, if I'm going to be totally honest, it's, it's like, okay, what do I do now? But what I'm so excited about, bro, is now all of us are put into a position where we have to reevaluate the way we've been doing things and come up with new ways of generating income for ourselves. And bro, I, I just started posting videos on Facebook Live uh, just every day at eight o'clock on Facebook Live on my page. I'm just like sending out these positive uh, messages and people are responding. And now I'm realizing, dude, our voices, Leo, your voice and my voice, people need clarity and they need inspiration and they need people to listen to and to pull them out of that doldrums. And so I'm going to start teaching a Zoom class, bro. I'm going to be doing Zoom at noon with middle school and high school students, Epic Empowerment with Ernie G, because high school and middle school students are just sitting home all day. Yeah, they go online with for an hour to do their homework with their teachers on Google Classroom or whatever it's called. But then the rest of the day, they're on their phones and they're just like not trying to figure out what to do. So I'm going to be teaching a class. Um, and I'm and then my book, bro, I've been writing this book forever. I'm starting my podcast that I've had on the back burner. So I have a feeling this is going to be the best thing that ever happened to my career is that now rather than being caught up in the hustle and bustle of trying to make this happen, trying to do that gig, trying to book that gig, trying to do that commercial, trying to go out on that audition. I'm able to slow down, relax a little bit, reevaluate and realize what is the need? What do people need? And can I fill that need? And people need us, bro. They need you. That's why I was excited to be on this podcast with you because they need you to provide all these beautiful people that you're going to interview, all these authors and all of these mental health professionals. I can, I, and I'm going to hook you up with some people that I, you definitely want on your podcast. But the bottom line, bro, this is an opportunity for all of us to shine and to rise. So I'm, I'm doing great, bro. And I live by myself. I live in Hermosa Beach, right on the beach. So I've been you know, with myself, not by myself. A lot of people think that they live by themselves. I don't live by myself, bro. I live with myself. And uh, I've been great. Uh, right, right now, I'm actually with my girl. Um, you know, we were wondering, can we see each other? And she, I was like, yeah, babe, just as long as you're staying away from people and taking care of yourself. So I came and spent the night with my girl. She has two beautiful kids and, and her brother is staying with her. So we've all been on lockdown uh, for, for the past day and a half. So I feel great. I'm going to go home tonight and be with myself. And, and I, I haven't been feeling lonely. 
I haven't been feeling alone because I'm with myself and I'm making things happen. So I'm excited, brother. Can you can you go a little deeper into that? The, the, the separation. I love that. You know, I live with myself, not by myself. Can you can you can you go more into detail as to what the differences are? Absolutely. Every experience that we have is a function of the way that we choose to interpret what's happening. And a lot of people don't understand that the sunglasses or the filters through which we see life, we get to create them. We get to choose them. The, unfortunately, the problem is, is that no one's ever been taught that. We just think that the way we see it is the way that it is. People think that the way that they see it is the way that it is. And it ain't the way it is. It's just the way you're seeing it. And until people are given the opportunity to see things distinctly from the way they've always seen them, unless you can grab a fish and pull the fish by the tails out of the water, out of the fishbowl, the fish has no idea that they're swimming in water. They just don't see the water. It's just, they're just in it. So they can't even see it. So, but if you grab a fish by the tail and pull it out of the water for the first time ever in its life, it'll go, Oh snap. What is this? I, I Oh, whoa, whoa, air. What is air? What, what, what am I like? I'm not used to this. I'm not. And then you put the fish back in the water and they're like, yo, what the hell was that? And so this podcast, bro, and my inspirational talks uh, every day on Facebook Live is going to provide people with an alternative way of looking at what they're looking at. And so just by function of the fact that you ch choose not to watch the news, you're saying to yourself and to everyone around you, I'm not going to get sucked into the hype. If you inundate yourself with the same messages over and over and over again, it will absolutely uh, flavor your per your perspective. And you'll be somebody that can only see through the filter that you're choosing to look through it, it at. So if you're always watching the news and just inundating yourself with fear, you know, and they've done studies, you know, I, I, I might be speaking to the preaching to the choir here, but uh, for those listeners that aren't aware of this, they've done studies on the brain. And when you constantly put the same type of information, the same sounds, the same fear, the same kind of drama, your brain develops synapses that are more accustomed to receiving that information. You, you, you elicit certain kinds of, uh, of, uh, of uh, brain chemistry and, and the, the molecules in your brain, the neurotransmitters that, like for instance, if you're always watching things that make you scared. So we have a, a, a fight or flight response. Your brain produces neurotransmitters to deal with the fear. And if you put enough of that fear into your brain every single day, if you get into a habit of doing it all the time, then your brain becomes more susceptible to protecting itself from that fear, but it continues to produce the the, the neurotransmitters that you know are, are receiving that fear and then dealing with it. So the point I'm trying to make is that our brains almost start looking for it. We we start. I need to listen to the news. I need to find out what's going on. I need to I need to be afraid of something because my brain is now almost addicted 
to that chemical equilibrium that gets created by that brain chemistry. So conversely, if you're always putting peaceful thoughts into your brain, if you're always putting positive thoughts into your brain, if you're always meditating and always listening to inspirational speakers, and if you're reading books that elevate your vibration, your brain releases different neurotransmitters and different brain synapses. The synapses are the connections between all our cells. Those synapses start growing in the favor of peace, in the favor of acceptance, in the favor of tranquility. And I'm way more committed to living in a world that I feel peaceful and tranquil and I trust that everything is well, while still understanding that there's something to manage. Yes, you got to stay away from people. I absolutely believe we got to socially distance ourselves. We got to stay six feet away from all of that stuff is real. Wash our hands, all of those things that we want that we need to take care of. But do we need to obsess about those things? No, we need to be responsible for ourselves and then make sure that we're putting positive images, positive vibes into our head. So that's a long-winded way of me saying that being by yourself is one way of looking at it. You are by yourself. And that's uh, the way, you know, it just becomes part of the vernacular that people just say, oh, I'm by myself. And I never say I'm by myself. Like I, I've been saying I'm with myself for years. Like people say, because I go to the movies twice a week, I, you know, being in the industry we're in, you know, I'm always writing uh, screenplays. And, I, and I, I have three movies that I've written that, you know, I'd like to produce eventually. And so I'm in the movies. I try to go every Tuesday and every Sunday because that's when it's cheap, cheap movie night, $6 movie night on Tuesdays and Sundays. And I go by myself all the time. But I don't say, um, so people say, oh, you, you went by yourself. And I'm like, no, I'm actually not by myself. I'm with myself. I'm enjoying the movie with me. I don't need to be in a movie theater with someone. You know, a lot of people are like, dude, I would never go to the movies by myself. And I say, well, then don't go by yourself. Go with yourself and be there with you, with your experience. And if you hold it that way, if you see it that way, it'll absolutely flavor your experience. If you think you're by yourself, you'll feel lonely. You'll feel disconnected. You'll feel isolated. If you're there with yourself, then, you know, you, you got a partner and it's you, you know, if you don't love you, how do you expect other people to love you? And, and I also just want to say really quick that I am keenly aware of the fact that this is a highly elevated perspective to have, that it's a really beautiful way of reinterpreting the reality of the fact that I'm in the movie theater by myself, that I'm in my apartment by myself. And I have spent years and years training myself, training my brain to look at the best possible scenario. And so a lot of people are like, yeah, 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 that's all that positive thinking crap or that's all, all that BS, dude. But the fact is I'm by myself. And I'd say to those people, those naysayers out there, that you got to be clear that that is a choice that you're making. You are choosing to look at it that way. And you can choose to look at it in a way that empowers you and that makes you feel free and that makes you feel content. And when you do those things, when you do things that elevate your spirit and elevate your vibration, you automatically attract other people into your lives that feel the same way, that think the same way. And my life is filled, bro, 
with nothing but people who are up to these kinds of interpretations that are up to this kind of education. And that's why you invited me on your podcast, bro. You know, there's a lot of comics out there that you could have on your show, but you know, your show is about mental health and a lot of comics are struggling with mental health. And I, I, I actually have evolved my career to a point where I hardly ever hang out with comedians. I, I, I do miss hanging out and just talking shop and being a comic with comics, but I, I can't be around the negativity and the trauma that, that they're still kind of reliving. So I, I sp- like spending time with myself and that's an intentional choice I've made to flavor my experience of being alone. Uh, and being alone sometimes is one of the most beautiful places to be because uh, if you ain't your, your own best friend, then how do you expect other people to be your, your best friend? Absolutely, man. I, 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 cause I, the way I reframed it, because I love the way you framed it, is with myself versus by myself. And um, there's, you know, and I think a lot of us have such a fear of doing things with ourselves because uh, it, it, it's society promotes it as such a negative thing. Like, like when you hear about shooters, it's always they didn't have friends or they were a loner, and so right. we it's it's kind of instilled in us. Uh, that there's something wrong with being uh, with yourself, you know? Right. Um, and, but if that was the case, then, you know, why do we revere Buddhist monks, people who go off in the right. mountains for days, months, years uh, with themselves in silence and solitude? And, and, you know, there's a, uh, but, you know, as long as there's an intentionality, there's a difference between choosing your space and uh, trying to avoid uh, a space. And I think that for some people that that's what that feeling is, is like they, it's a recognition that they're avoiding something as, a, as opposed to wanting to be with and sit in something and choosing something. Um, Ab- absolutely. The, so what, so what's your, what's your routine? What's your daily routine like right now, Ernie? Like, like when you, you have a morning routine, a bedtime routine, you know what, bro? That's one level of enlightenment and transformation I have not yet achieved is sticking to a routine. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I'm spoiled, brother. You know, as the comic, you get into a the, the, most comedians have a little arrogance about us in that we know we don't fit. We don't fit into the norms of 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 society and we can't hold down a job. We hate having a a boss. We don't like clocking in and needing to be somewhere at a certain time. And we are, you know, we're, we're kind of magicians, bro. We create our own experience. And the, the, the default of being a comedian is that comics don't like to be told what to do. And so they wake up whenever the hell they want. They eat whatever the hell they want. Then they show up at the club. They do their set. And then they stay out all night drinking, partying. And unfortunately, a lot of comics, you know, do drugs and they womenize and do coke and just stay up until three, four, five, six in the morning and then do it all over again. I stopped being a part of that world a long, long time ago when I saw that it was detrimental to my health. But I got to admit that the piece that I've held on to is being my own boss And the difference between what I used to do and what I now do is before I used to just do whatever the hell I wanted. And now I truly surrender to what there is now for me to do. 
And when, you know, part of that Paulo Coelho, the alchemist book is that when you, when you're walking that path, when you're walking the path that you know you're, you should be walking, the path almost gets laid out before you. So I don't wake up every day at the same time. And, you know, I know there's power in that. I know that there's a lot of transformational people out there, people that are up to really amazing things, a very powerful team where they wake up at four, they meditate till five, they go work out or whatever that is. And I, I, I say to people that you got to listen to your gut and you got to listen to your soul as to what works for you. Because I, you know, for a while there, I tried to say, you know, you know, what? I go to, cause I go to sleep probably one or two o'clock almost every day. And then I wake up depending on my day, what's, uh, depending on what's happening. If I get, if I have to get up early, I get up at eight. And if I, if I don't have anything going on, I, I'm usually up by 10. I, I don't, I don't sleep until noon anymore. Like I used to. Um, but what I do do is I've aligned myself with this energy of like moving forward and being progressive. And so every day my life is kind of mapped out before me. And so I just dance, I dance with the journey. And, but what I do do every single day is I make sure I'm grateful. That's one of the first things I do every morning that, that will absolutely be a routine is that I wake up. And I just remind myself, how lucky am I, dude? I live at the beach. I live in Hermosa Beach. I wake up, I stare, I look at the ocean. Sometimes I look to see if there's dolphin out there swimming in the ocean. And if there is, I just throw my trunks on and go run out there and jump in the ocean with dolphin. That happened like five times last summer. And every, I share that with people everywhere I go. And they're like, come on, dude, you swim with the dolphins? I'm like, I'm, it's not like I'm holding on to the fin and the dolphin's taking me through the waves. But I'm in the ocean and there's dolphins just a few, you know, a few yards away from me. Um, and so every morning I wake up and I, I, I say thank you to God. Thank you to the universe. And then I do at some point throughout the day, I meditate. I try to meditate. Um, and meditation for me is not necessarily like sitting in, you know, in, you know, with crisscross legs with my, my, my index finger and my, or my middle finger, and my thumb touching and then me chanting uh, some Buddhist uh, chant. Some people do that, and, and, and it works. But for me, what works is just to slow it down. Close my eyes, breathe. And I actually had a, a, an amazing uh, coach a couple of years ago teach me the power of breathing. Um, if I, you know, I, this, this podcast is, is awesome, bro. And, and you know, uh, there's probably like two or three messages I wanted to leave with people, but the one, the, probably the most powerful one, if, if, if I could leave anybody with anything, it's, I recently got taught the power of breathing. And I know it just seems so rudimentary or fundamental, like what, what every, we breathe every day. And I, and I'd like people to consider that we don't really breathe every day. We, we, um, you know, we inhale air and then we exhale and we're staying alive. But they did a study and, and I, I'm not exactly sure, uh, like who did the study, but my, my, my trainer taught me this, that in the United States, we breathe every breath is some people's is less than a second, but everywhere else in the world, a normal human breath is two to three seconds. They inhale, then they exhale. They inhale, then they exhale. And that's a normal way people breathe. In the United States, because of our hustle and bustle, it's so common for people to almost be hyperventilating. 
And so my, my trainer, my mentor taught me to breathe every day and to do it for eight, eight minutes was my magic number. Some people's it's 10, some people's it's 20, some people's you don't have time. So it's two or three, but my magic number was eight minutes. So I try to breathe every day for eight minutes. And when I say breathe, I say, I mean that you take five seconds to inhale one, two, three, four, five inhale, and then five seconds to exhale. One, two, three, four, five. So basically it takes almost 10 seconds for one full burp. And if you do that six times, that's an entire minute right there. And if you do that five times, then that's like, you know, between five and eight minutes of intentional breathing. And the magic that that does to people's uh, lungs, to their heart rate, to their blood circulation, to the flight or fight, the fight or flight response, to the parasympathetic nerve system, it just calms everything down. And you literally feel like you just took a hit of a joint because you're so relaxed and calmed down. And so I try to do that every single day, brother. It, it just opens up all of like your creativity. It makes you see things clearly. And if you're inundating yourself every day with the news and all the crazy media stuff that's going on right now, that's a beautiful way to calm yourself out of that fear. And so it, I, I, the long, you know, I, I know I take forever to answer your questions, but uh, the long story, the short is that I don't necessarily have a routine other than surrendering to that which wants to happen. I truly believe there's an energy that's dictating my life and there's something that wants to happen. And my job is to align myself with that which wants to happen. And the way that you do that is by being grateful and by slowing it down and really listening to what's next, what, what what's the next thing that wants to happen. And me being on your podcast wanted to happen. That wanted to happen. Like, you know, it just so happens that I saw your Facebook post, bro, that you were in Peru and I was sending you prayers. And then you're like, bro, you got to be on my podcast. And here we are, dude. And I feel like I feel like we're dispersing some really powerful information for people, man. Absolutely. You know, and I just uh, I was talking to a friend of mine and uh, and she tried the journaling uh, things she's grateful for. And, and I realized a lot of people struggle with finding gratitude. One of the things she mentioned was the fact that uh, she found herself repeating herself mm. of what she was grateful for. And, you know, I, and I, and there was a period where when I first started journaling, I was noticing the same thing. I was like, thank you. I'm so grateful that I woke up this morning. I'm grateful for my health. I'm grateful for et cetera, et cetera. Uh, do you have a, do you have a, uh, a, a, a workaround for people who find themselves repeating themselves? Is there a way that you show gratitude that, that works. Uh, oh, bro. I got a good one for you, brother. This is a story I've told to thou hundreds and hundreds of thousands of students all over the country. You know, for those of the, you that don't know, you know, I, I've been doing comedy for over 20 years, but inspirational empowerment comedy at colleges and universities all over the country. And I've told this story to hundreds and hundreds of thousands of young middle school, high school, and college students. And it's the story about Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, you know, the greatest, arguably the greatest basketball player in the history of the sport, won six NBA championships, countless, uh, you know, leading scorer. Uh, you know, he led the league in scoring. He led the defensive men of the year. And a lot of people know he retired. 
and he went and played baseball and all that stuff. But then he came back and then he retired for good. But then he bought, um, you know, an interest in the, in the Charlotte Hornets and he was a player, player and owner, co-owner. And I think for a while that he was a coach as well for the Charlotte Hornets. And this is after like achieving all of this greatness and there he was playing the game and couldn't jump as high, couldn't run as fast. He was, you know, uh, in his late thirties when this was happening and everyone kind of saw him kind of going down the, the hill, but still out there. And the ball was going out of bounds and Michael Jordan dove for the ball and he dove and he saved the ball and he got all scuffed up. He scuffed up his, his elbow a little bit when he landed. And after the game, a young uh, journalist was interviewing him and they asked him, you know, why did you die for the ball? You're Michael Jordan, dude. You got nothing to prove, you know, countless championships. You know, you've you've gotten all the awards that anyone could like. There's nothing to prove. Why did you die for that ball? And Michael Jordan said, because I know there's a kid in the stands who has been waiting their entire life to see me play. And this kid's dad probably was putting quarters away in some tin can. I know that I'm, I'm exaggerating the story now a little bit. I, I like to I like to milk it a little bit. But a dad was probably saving a couple bucks here, a couple bucks there, and he finally bought two tickets to go see his son, to go take his son to basketball player ever. And I know that kid's up in the stands and is going to grab his binoculars and look from the 300 seat, the nosebleed seats, going to look through his binoculars to get a glimpse of Michael Jordan. And he said, I don't ever want that kid to say Michael Jordan slacked today. I dove for that kid. And I, I, when I share that with students all over the country, you know, there's just silence in the room, bro. A thousand students just staring at me in total silence. And I'm like, go die for the ball. Don't ever let them see you slack. Go be the best that you can be. And so I share that with you, bro, because every morning when people are, you know, writing in their journal about being grateful. Um, oh, sorry, bro. There's a, there's a little piece to this. this there's a little piece to this whole um, story that I forgot to mention is that I've told that story to thousands and thousands of kids over and over and over again. And a buddy of mine who actually got his PhD, one of my mentees, bro, he was a Gates Millennium Scholar, and I've known him since he was uh, in undergrad. Now he has his PhD. He owns a multi-million dollar company, and he still considers me one of his mentors. He goes, bro, I've heard you tell that story like 15 times, and every time you tell that story, it's like the first time I've ever heard it, dude. It feels like it's the first time I ever heard it. And I go, well, A, I'm a comedian, and comedians, we need to be able to recreate the story the exact same way for the audience because the audience has never seen it. You know, they've never seen that story before. So we got to, you know, we got to, we're chefs. We're not, we're not, you know, we're not artists. We're not musicians that you, once you hear the song, you hear the song the same way over. We're chefs. We have to create it for people. So not only do I do that. So for the audience, but I also, do for me. I get moved. Every single time I say it because I know someone else is hearing it. And, you know, when people are being grateful, if you're getting bored with your own gratitude. <laughs> so, I mean, bro, 
I, I will never stop being grateful for the lungs, the air in my lungs. Especially now, dude, if you've seen some of the videos, which I haven't, you know, I have not been out there trying to watch the news, but people are posting videos of I have seen one or two of people who do have the virus. And, and one of the first things that happens is the, the, the lungs go and their ability to breathe diminishes. And so, dude, every day, thank you for the, for the air in my lungs. Thank you for the bed that I sleep in. Thank you for having a home to, to, to live in and the food that we get to eat. And of course, you know, that, that is my transformational response to that question, bro. But my, my more practical response to that question is there is never enough things to be grateful for that you, you, I promise you, you won't run out. There is a lot to be grateful for. And I'll give one people, I'll give people an example right now is one of my, my Facebook live talks that I did yesterday was to go reach out to all the people on your cell phone who are living by themselves, who are living with themselves. How many people do you know on your phone that you haven't spoken to in months or years maybe who are all alone or who just need a little love? I recommend to everyone while a really beautiful survival tactic uh, while being on lockdown uh, is to reach out to everybody on your phone to talk to and forever. All of us have, what, a thousand contacts now? 600 contacts, just scroll and just be like, oh my God, I haven't talked to that person. I haven't talked to that person and reach out to them. And then you'll have plenty to be grateful for. Um, so the, the, the transform, transformed question, answer is do it like you've never done it before. Dive for that ball every single time for that kid or for that person that might be inspired by it or by yourself. Inspire yourself. And, and try not to get bored, bro. We need breath every day. We need food every day. We need a bed to lie in every day. And if you have that, bro, you are blessed beyond a lot of people on this planet. And then the more practical sense is there's never a limit of, there's never a thing, you know, we, we need to be a little bit more creative when we start running out of things to be grateful for. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, you have to get, get specific. I mean, even just the ability to write that you're grateful, the, the ability, the, the fact that you have a pen to write with, that you have paper to write on and and that the fact that you know how to write you know that you that you can exactly. that you can you can you can uh you know because those fine motor skills when people have been in accidents and they lose the, the ability to hold a pen or even walk and, and things like that it's uh you know and the fact that we can see color it, there's just so many different things uh to if you get real specific um uh, and, and, and I yeah. think when people say that they can't think of things to be great, I, I think that we think that we should automatically have it at the ready. Like I should just know yeah. right now what it is versus, oh, I actually have to take time to reflect and think about what I'm grateful for today. And those are the things that really resonate. That's the energy that when you take time to reflect and think about what you're grateful for, that uh, the universe then uh, latches onto it and multiplies and and uh, and sends back to you tenfold versus uh, the generic. Uh, you know, I woke up, uh, I, I have food, I have family, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, brother. There's a there's an amazing. Uh, I forgot who started it, but there's an amazing uh, project out there. It's called the Thank You Project, and the Thank You Project is about people flipping the script on their 
personal trauma and turning the worst trauma that they've ever gone through into a blessing. And I think the woman who started it or one of the co-founders of it was that young lady that got her arm bitten off by a shark. They did a movie about her. And she was surfing, and she got her arm bitten off by a shark. And everyone just thought she would never go back into the water. And she, you know, within like a year later, went back right right back into the water and started surfing again. And they did a movie about her. And they asked her, like, aren't you afraid? And she goes, I can either live in fear or I can live in gratitude. And she's like, I thank the shark because I love me. And look at me now. I get to inspire thousands. I would have never been a speaker. I would have never been a motivational person. I would have just stayed in the ocean surfing. And she's like, now I get to surf in the ocean and I get to share my story. And I've inspired thousands and thousands of people. And it's because I said thank you to the shark for biting off my arm. And so I've relayed that message to thousands of young people who have got, I do, I do an amazing leadership development workshop, bro, where I take, you know, 20 to 30 to 40 college and high school students, uh, depending on where I'm at. I've even done it with middle school kids where we tell our story and it takes a couple, it takes like an hour of playing like icebreaker games to get kids to open up. But then students, bro, they just feel so safe with me, dude. I create such a safe space for people that students report having been raped and molested and beaten up. And, you know, they're in the midst of like this severe trauma and I'm able to kind of coach them and guide them. And I asked for their permission. I said, can I, can I please coach you and guide you to the light? And they look at me like, please, please help me. And so I, I talk about the power of forgiveness and I talk about how to deal with the trauma. And I, I, I let, you know, there's a bunch of things that I share that I'm not going to be able to share right now, right now with you. But the way that the whole thing ends up is after I coach them how to forgive the, the perpetrator or whoever hurt them and then give them pers- some perspective that every person on the planet has dealt with some kind of trauma and that we have a choice that we could either be victimized by our trauma or we can use it as fuel uh, to be an inspiration for our lives. I remind them of the thank you project and you can turn any trauma into an opportunity to say thank you. And I share with the students that my parents were never married. My dad had six kids all from different mothers. uh, And my dad could have very easily been the source of a lot of sadness and pain in my life. But I flipped the script and I said, thank you to my dad. Thank you for not being there for me. Thank you for having six other kids all from different mothers. And because it turned me into the person that I am and I love who I am. I love me. So if you've ever been raped or beaten or molested, absolutely. There's a lot of work to be done there. You gotta find healing and there's all kinds of different ways to find that healing. But once you get to that point where the trauma doesn't, you know, impact you as severely as it has, once you've forgiven the people that have hurt you and you've done some work, then you can flip it and say, thank you for this experience because it turned me into the amazing woman that I am being hurt by this person. I I get to spiritually just say thank you for that experience because I'm I'm resilient now. I'm a beast now. I'm going to be the best mom on the planet. I'm the best you know, whatever it is that you are now. And, and, and it, this is a highly evolved uh, way of looking at things. But the Thank You Project teaches us that we can turn any trauma into a source of inspiration. You know, without going into detail, have you experienced uh, any of those yourself? Oh, absolutely, brother. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I share 
um, with my students when I'm when I'm with them because I, I I truly believe you got to lead by example. But um, yeah, I mean the the I'll just kind of share the list without getting too heavy into the to the traumatic details of it. But when I was in first grade, my mom's neighbor, our, this guy named Ronnie, uh, this little white kid like uh, from Highland Park. And uh, he was probably 16, 17 years old. And, and then he'd come over and babysit me when I was in first grade. And, and we would do all kinds of like naughty things. And, and at first I thought it was just boys being boys and being silly. But I just remember kind of getting grossed out by it. And then I didn't realize that that affected me until way later in life when I did some therapy on myself. And then I realized that it did. And then in sixth grade, bro, my basketball coach, bro, he, he, he like our, our basketball game, like after our, after, after we, we won Alhambra city championship, bro, I'm a, I'm a baller. I don't know if you could ever tell, bro. Cause I got a little belly, but I used to be a baller back in the day, bro. And we won Alhambra city championship in sixth grade and we all went to party and like hang out at his house afterward. And then all the parents picked up most of the kids. And then there were four of us that were there and he threw on some like soft porno stuff. And then it just got crazy. And it was like all this weird energy. And so I've had, I've had a couple, and I think a lot of people have dealt with that, like, you show me yours, I'll show you mine, kind of like, boys will be boys, ridiculous kind of level of, of, of molestation and stuff, but, uh, so it didn't, I can't, it, I can't say that it, like, devastated me, but it did, uh, leave an imprint on my soul, uh, and then when I went into therapy with, you know, with different issues with my mom, or different issues with my dad, you know, I did have a bunch of abandonment issues, you know, I think that's why I became a comedian, bro, is because my dad was never around for me. And I was always like, where's my dad? Where's my dad? And so when, you know, what you discover is that most comedians have a big hole in their heart and we become funny to fill the hole because the laughter fills the hole. And if people don't do work on themselves, if they don't uh, figure out ways to fill the hole themselves, then they'll find things to fill the hole with like drugs, like alcohol, uh, like womanizing, like food, um, like obsessive gambling and, and anything, any obsession is a result of, you know, trying to fill that hole. And so our, our job in life, I believe is to fill the hole ourselves or the, the highest form of, of enlightenment is to realize that there is no hole. The hole is just uh, an imaginary thing that we created to deal with our sense of loss human beings don't like dealing with loss. We have a hard time just being with loss. And that's why I teach the, the breathing technique to breathe, uh, take 10 seconds, you know, to breathe in and out because when you can just be, that's the power of meditation. When you can just be present, you can be with all the different emotions of the loss. But I believe most people, 90, I feel like 90% of people on the planet are trying to fill that hole and, our job is to fill the hole with things that we want to fill the hole with, with love, with working out, with exercise, with things that are positive for us. And the ultimate form of enlightenment is that there is no hole. There is, that, that's a myth. Um, but the only way that you get there is by doing a lot of work on yourself, which I've done, dude. And so I've, I've been able to heal my trauma. I've forgiven Ronnie. I've forgiven my sixth grade basketball coach. You know, and then I, I, there, there are women out there that I have some feminist friends, bro that are trying to convince me that I was raped um, the very first time I ever had sex. The story I've been telling for years, bro, is, and I used to tell it on stage, was I got de-virginized by a big, fat, black girl named Crystal, bro. She wasn't even fat. She was just one of those big sisters, you know? It was like She just had thick legs and thick butt and big old boobs. And, uh, when she was a, graduating from high school, as a senior with my, my aunt, my mom's baby sister was graduating from, she was, she's basically like my cousin, 
but she's my my youngest aunt. She was graduating from high school, and so was Crystal. They graduated from eighth grade. I mean, from high school. I had just graduated from eighth grade, and so we went up to party with them. All the parents left, left all the kids alone. They gave me a bottle of pink Andre champagne, bro, and I downed this pink Andre champagne, and I got hammered. And then I woke up having sex with Crystal. I woke up like in the middle of it. Wow. And yeah, so but I but I loved it. I did love it. I was like, whoa. But I was like, I didn't know this was. Ha- oh shit. Oh, we're doing this. Oh, okay. Hey, cool. So I've told that story to several friends and they're like, you were raped, you were raped. And I was like, no, I wasn't. I loved it. But so, you know, I don't know, maybe there's a psychologist out there that says, no, Ernie, you were raped and you have suppressed those feelings and da, 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 da. But it's never been an issue. I've never felt weird about it. And I actually loved bragging about that story that I, you know, like, cause I remember like, I don't know. It just felt cool that I was in eighth grade and some high school senior had, you know, had sex with me and stuff. So, um, am I still at the effect of that? No, I don't think so. It's, I've never dreamt about it. I've never had nightmares about it. I don't think it's ever manifested itself in these weird ways, but, um, you know, I, and I don't feel the need that I had to forgive Crystal. I think, you know, it was just a young, dumb time, but you know, if, if there's some therapists out there that are listening to this and thinking, Oh, or any, any G hasn't resolved that, I, I feel completely fine with it, but I, I guess the the point I'm trying to make is that I, you know, of course, I've had all kinds of things that have happened to me, um, and just which is why I've led this life of trying to bring the light to people because I feel like I, I'm at this really clear place in my life. I love my life, and um, I'm excited about what this with this uh, lockdown, the opportunity, you know, for us to reevaluate what's important, but. Yeah, brother, I've dealt with some stuff and I've forgiven all my perpetrators. I've I've said thank you to all of them because I am who I am now and I love who I am. And had those things not happened to me, I wouldn't be who I am. I love it, man. And and I, I love your perspective on that. And it is it's so so uh fascinating how people try to put or project their story uh onto your story. You That's know, exactly it's, right, it's, bro. It's 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 it's, it's just like you know, uh, playing sports or uh, any anything that we do, it's there's always going to be two two ways to look at a at a thing, and um, and and people will. It's all about how you felt about it. That that's what I've learned. You know, I have a friend who does dream interpretations, and and yeah. she, and she said it's not so much what's happening in a dream as much as how you feel about what's happening in a dream. Exactly. Uh, you know, it's like our, when you're. If there's a lion in in front of you, uh, do you do you feel like you've tamed the lion? Are you afraid of the lion? Are you uh, angry at the lion? She says it's all about your emotions in it, and, and I think I believe the same thing for life. It's it's not so much what happens to you as much as how you feel about uh, what happens to you. There's a book called Lolita, mm. and have you read it? Yep. And and so you know, like what what makes that book controversial controversial is that the 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 girl, even though she's underage, seems to be soliciting the man as much as the man seems to be soliciting the girl. Yep. Right. And it's hard for us to accept that that that's even a possibility, and uh, and not to say that it makes it right. I'm not condoning. Uh, the behavior of the of the guy, he definitely uh, should know better and, and should not be doing what he does. However, it's we because we so much want to paint her as the victim. 
Um, and because if we don't, then what does it say about the other cases? And so, you know, I understand it, it creates this gray area, but, um, but that's why that book is controversial is that exactly. there is a part that people go, well, it seems like she was, you know, uh, calling for it. And the right. guy, like, they, like it seemed mutual is what I'm trying right. to say. Um, right. and, and, it, and it's tough to think that it's someone at that age could want that. But but it's it's just about the point is, is that our experiences are are, are, are um, determined our by own. how we feel. It's our own. It's our own. Yeah. Right. Like some people go to Hawaii and that's it's amazing. They're so happy they're going. Other people go to Hawaii and it has in a completely different. It triggers a, a negative emotions. There there's some pain points. They there there's just going to Hawaii isn't great for everybody. Is is what I'm trying to tell you. You know what I'm saying? Some some people are they they are like. They'd rather be in Detroit or something like that. You right, um, you talked about icebreakers, um, and there's a lot of parents at home with kids who are spending way more time with their kids than they ever imagined, and yep. have no idea what to do. And, and so I don't know if you know of any of these, but are there some games that parents can play with their kids, or that kids can play with each other that um, you know can help bide the time? Oh, bro, there's so much out there right now, brother. That that's 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 the thing. That is the thing that's happening, is that people are getting so creative. I've been directing a summer camp for since for the past 20 years. I've been I was a director at, at uh, Camp Fox on Catalina Island, and I've been doing it with the same group of people for almost 20 years. There's always a bunch of new kids that come on board with us, but like the main director of the camp, his name is uh, Ray Kalame, aka Gator. My name at camp is Rock. Um, you know, I, I go by Ernie G, but we, we, we only use camp names at camp. And, uh, I just have like a whole, you know, litany of camp songs, games that we play that I've been doing for years, but I've just never brought those games home with me. You know, they kind of stay at camp. And so now people are doing all kinds of videos online of, of things to do with their kids. And, you know, we're being forced into this position to become innovative. I mean, I, I can list, um, uh, you know, a few games to play with the kids, but there just, there's so much online, just Google, you know, things to do with your kids while you're home. And there's so many cool videos. There's arts and crafts things. There's, you know, the gardening things. Um, but for me, you know, what I'm looking forward to is doing my zoom at noon with kids. And, uh, I'm going to call it Epic empowerment with Ernie G and really, the power and the magic for me is people, um, um, is people, sorry, I just got a text here. Um, the power and the magic for me is people having conversations that they've never had getting to know. I bet you people think that they know each other and, you know, of course, parents think that they know their kids and kids think that they know their, their family members. But if you sit down in a circle and start playing some of these games, but like the little more interpersonal games, you will discover things about people that you never knew. And that's the magic of the workshops that I do. And I'm going to be doing that at, at my Epic Empowerment with Ernie G Zoom at noon is, you know, depending how many kids chime in, you know, I'm going to I think I'm going to charge like five bucks a kid just because, I, you know, we need to come up with alternative income streams for ourselves, bro, because I just got ten thousand dollars worth of gigs canceled so if i do a little zoom thing and if i get 30 kids 50 kids to chime in you know middle school and high school students 
And then we start at like we redo some real interpersonal stuff where kids really start sharing about what they're really going through, not just doing fun games and fun exercise, but really talking about what they're going through. Bro, th those sessions are going to be magical. So I, I recommend a if you want to just play like regular old games, there's a lot of stuff that people are coming up with uh, online. Um, but sometimes it's just a, a function of having people sit around in a circle and talk and really, really get into it. People are afraid sometimes to get past um, that, you know, the, the, the veneer glass, uh, the shell. But when you start really, really connecting with people, there's all kinds of things that we could be talking about. How do you even get that conversation started? Because so many people don't know. They, they want to connect yeah. and communicate. Like, can you give us like a, a just a way to, to to get in there to that really kind of gets the ball rolling? Like, how would that even what would that even sound like? Okay, cool, bro. Uh, uh, let's see. Hold on. Give me, my girl. My girl's texting me right now. She's like, "I'm hungry. Are you? Are we eating soon?" I'm like, "Give me, give me." I said, "Give me five minutes." Yeah, baby. a couple minutes. Couple minutes. Yeah, yeah. No worries. Um. All right. Cool. Um. Here's the thing, bro. I've been teaching. I've been te I've been um teaching mental health for years through leadership development workshops. And I've been running these youth empowerment programs for, for like 15 years at colleges, universities all over the country where we take students and over three days, we really transform who they think that they are. And it used to be just like a youth empowerment program to get into college, but now it's really an interpersonal development program. And I'm in charge of teaching the mentors who are going to teach the young people. And so uh, part of my training is people will respond to the level of authenticity and transparency that you're willing to share with them. People will mirror you. So if you're trying to get them to open up without opening up yourself, good luck with that. But if you have the courage to shit, to tell one on yourself, to get real with it. And this is, you know, this is, I, I am aware of the fact that this is a very slippery slope because if you start opening things up a little too deeply, too fast, you know, it, it becomes really emotional for people. So I've been doing this work for many years. So I, I know how to kind of, uh, delicately walk that, um, that that balance of of getting real and authentic without having it become this big cry fest or this big like yell fest or whatever. And so what I recommend to parents and the people out there is tell one on yourself. Share an insecurity that you have. Share some the, the one of the best icebreakers is embarrassing moments. That one is easy because you can keep it like uh, a little shallow just to get, you know, get it going. And then do people start telling all kinds of stuff. There's a game called the upside downside game that we play where we reveal our upside, which is the thing we're most proud of, but we also reveal our downside, the thing we're most embarrassed about. And it's a great fun way to start. Okay. My downside is this. Uh, when I was in high school, I rapped at my high school homecoming football game in front of like 300 people. And I forgot the lyrics on in on the football field in front of everyone and they had to replay the song and then I, I got through it the second time but when they had to replay it everyone was like boo i'm like dang, dang. and so when you have the courage to reveal something like that people are like oh ooh, ooh, i got one i got one so 
I just highly encourage people to get real with it and, 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 and talk about things that maybe we're not used to talking about. If you're with your friends and your family, uh, it, you know, there is the potential that it goes awry, but as the grown adult in the mix, uh, you just got to manage it and, and do your best to like be as real as you can be while, you know, not having it turn into a big sob fest, <laughs> which is hard to do, bro, but I've gotten pretty good at doing it. Well, I, I know you got to get going. I have uh, two last questions uh, for you. One is, uh, what, what's a book that you talked about, The Richest Man in Babylon, uh, and earlier, what's a, what's a book that you're reading now or that you think people uh, would benefit people at this moment? Yeah, I got so many, bro. But the first one that I've, to- I've literally told thousands and thousands of young people to read it's, a, it's one of the easiest reads out there, but it actually is one of the most fundamentally profound books, and it's called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Now, a lot of your listeners have probably already read it, but read it again. You can't read that book enough. I've read it probably 10 times, and every time I read it, there's something new that I learn from it, uh, and it really sets the foundation for how to live a transformed life, how to live a life that is about surrendering to what the universe really wants for us. And so the four agreements are magical. Be impeccable with your word. Never take anything personally. Don't make assumptions and always do your best. Those four agreements uh, can be the foundation for people's lives. And so that's the fundamental book that I have people read. And then and I'm just a huge fan of Malcolm Gladwell who's this brilliant social scientist. And one of my favorite books that he wrote is called Blink. Uh, he's written all kinds of books, The Tipping Point, uh, What the Dog Saw, David and Goliath, Outliers. But Blink is a, is, is a book about the art of thinking, the act of thinking without thinking. And, he, and, and basically, Malcolm Gladwell says that we are equipped uh, over thousands and thousands of years of evolution. We're equipped with these brilliant brains that are actually smarter than we are, like the automatic kind of like intense, um, uh, uh, like evolutionary impulse of our brains. Uh, we know a lot more than we think we know. And if we don't get caught up into the hype, into the fear, if we're able to breathe and slow things down a little bit, our brains have a lot of wisdom for us. So if you're always out there looking outside of yourself for insight, maybe if you slowed it down and listen to yourself, you might be able to actually have some wisdom come upon you that you hadn't ever heard before. And so that, that book Blink is a really great book for people to read. I love it, man. I'm a fan of both of those books, uh, The Four Agreements <laughs> and, uh, uh, and Malcolm Gladwell. He has a podcast called Revisionist History. Yes. Uh, I just I just devour uh, every episode. He, he's so in, insightful and uh, he just connects dots. Uh, yep. that you didn't realize could be connected. Last question uh, before you get out of here. Uh, I'm always, because this is a mental health podcast and uh, suicide prevention podcast specifically, The uh, I always feel like there's someone listening in who is on a precipice of uh, ending their life. Yes. Before you kill yourself, what would you say to that person? Wow, bro. Bro, that is so deep, dude. I, uh, I've been so blessed to have participated in a life-altering transformational seminar called the Landmark Forum. And the forum is the foundation for all of my transformation. 
And I, I one time imagined myself driving home from Vegas. Vegas is one of those places that people either hate it or they love it. Like on the way to Vegas, you're like, yeah, Vegas, let's do this. And then after two days at Vegas, you're like, screw Vegas, man. I hate this place. And uh, you're always on a five-hour drive home back to L.A. And I saw a car accident, bro. It was really devastating. Like people like I saw people laying on the floor. And I remember thinking, dude, what if that was me? What if I was on laying on the floor? And about to die. What would I tell? What would I tell the the ph the CHP officer or, or who? What would I? What would my last word be? And for years, it used to. I used to say the last thing I would tell someone before they passed is like I, I, I. What I would say is, please tell my family to go do the forum. And what what I what I discovered that I meant by that is, there is always something out there for us. There's always hope. It is never, ever, ever, ever as gloomy as it seems. There's always something for us out there, no matter how sad it is, no matter how we feel like the world is caving in on us. There's always hope. There's always people um, that will pull us out of our space, that will... um, remind us of who we are and everybody out there that has ever been in that place of like wanting to harm themselves. Um, they've felt that before and then they woke up and, you know, or they went to school or they got out of their depression. I tell students all the time, how many of you have, ever been there for someone that was wanting to hurt themselves? And of course, a lot of students raise their hand. And then I say, well, how does that make you feel when someone calls you and says, I'm thinking about hurting myself. Um, I'm thinking about, um, you know, like cutting myself or hurting myself. And then they call you and you're like, oh my God, where are you? What can I do? How can I love you? What, What do you need? And you just stay on the phone with them for two, three hours, or you talk to them or you go help them out. And then a day or two later, they're like, oh my God, thank you so much for being there for me. Thank you. And you're like, yes, absolutely. Anytime you need me, let me know. I ask students, how does that make you feel? And the students are like, I feel like Superman. I feel like Wonder Woman. I feel like like God put me on the planet for that moment to be there for that person. And I say, that's what you're robbing people of when you don't ask for help, when you're depressed. And, and you don't call anyone that loves you. I promise you, there are people who love you. There's all kinds of angels around us. And it's our job to reach out to those people when we're feeling sad and depressed. You're robbing your best friend, your mom, your cousin, your grandma, whoever it is that, that you love and adore, who loves and adores you. You're robbing that person of the opportunity to be Superman for you or to be Wonder Woman for you. And I promise you, every person on this planet has a Superman or a Wonder Woman waiting to, 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 to talk to you and to love you and to support you. Ernie G, thank you so much for sharing uh, your time, your knowledge, your insights with us. Uh, once again, ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is not a substitute for going to get help. For you going to a therapist, for you going to the landmark forum, for you reading books, for you sharing your story. Um, Ernie G is is clearly getting out of car. He's being kidnapped. 
Sorry about that. Bro. <laughs> uh, but it's not a substitute for you going to get professional help, or at least talking to someone and 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 sharing your story. Uh, Absolutely. No, let's not hide anymore. Let's let's reveal. Let's 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 have the courage to be vulnerable and 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 and, and speak out about our pain and our hurt as much as Absolutely. we want to highlight uh, our upside, as uh, as Ernie G would say. Um, Absolutely. Also. You know, go to thrivewithleo.com, one-on-one coaching, thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching to help you find your purpose, develop coping skills, and, and, and get you through to the other side. Thank you so much, Ernie G. Where can they find you, man? Plug all your things. Yeah, brother, ErnieG.com, Ernie G. Haha. My hashtag is Ernie G. Haha, Ernie G. H-A-H-A on Instagram, Facebook, you name it, I'm on it, Ernie G. Haha or ErnieG.com. Thank you so much, Ernie G. Thank you all for listening in and rating it five stars on iTunes and, and sharing it. Remember, sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. Thank you all for sharing the episode, and we will talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.